This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis right here on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. And I am your host, Anna Thompson, otherwise known as AT, the Marketing and Communications Manager right here at New Memphis, a local leadership development nonprofit that specializes in activating, developing, and retaining our city's greatest asset, its people, right here to the 901. Today, we have one such individual, and I am so thrilled to be reunited with a former colleague of mine, Mr. Reggie Davis. He is the CEO and founder of Uplift Coaching and Consulting. He is also a former employee of New Memphis and a facilitator at our upcoming Level Up Mid-South Leadership Summit on August 26th. We are so excited. So Reggie will talk a little bit about um, himself and how he is a native of Hughes, Arkansas, how he went to Arkansas State University, got a finance degree, and he has actually, I don't think he shares this in his interview, but he has worked in nonprofit for almost two decades at organizations like Young Life, Streets Ministries, One Family Memphis, and New Memphis, and most recently Seeding Success, which he is actually continuing to be a part of their work over at Seeding Success while he is facilitating his new coaching and consulting business. He is a phenomenal asset to our city, and in 2020, Reggie founded Uplift Coaching and Consulting as a vehicle to help individuals and organizations become the best version of themselves possible. And he talks in detail about this in our upcoming conversation And I, for one, am so thrilled to be reunited with someone who told me that I reminded him of the marvelous Miss Maisel when he worked here with me. And so that has just stuck with me, dear listener. So you will probably pick up on some of our camaraderie in this little chat. And I hope you enjoy hearing from Reggie Davis as much as I enjoyed talking with him. So without further ado, here's my chat with Reggie Davis. Level Up. Join New Memphis as we present the first ever Level Up Mid-South Leadership Summit on August 26th. During this full-day conference, develop your abilities, learn how you can give back to your community, and educate yourself on the crucial issues Memphis faces. You'll also have the unique opportunity to meet with local organizations on-site. Level Up by purchasing your tickets today at newmemphis.org events. Welcome, Reggie, dear, dear friend. Thank you, Anna. Can you tell our listeners, for the maybe two people in the Memphis and surrounding community, who you are and what you do, for if they have not had the privilege of meeting you yet? Yes, Reggie Davis. I'm a native of Hughes, Arkansas. Did I crack on it? Hughes, Arkansas. A thriving metropolis. <laughs> thriving mm, metropolis. Yes. Yeah, born and raised there in a little small town. Um, son of... Fanny and Alexander Dean, um, which this always throws people off. I, I go Dean, and they go, wait a minute, your last name is Davis. So my stepfather raised me from the time I was a year and a half, little known fact. Bonus dad, got bonus you. Bonus dad, mm-hmm. the best bonus dad ever. Um, but yeah, raised there, um, the middle child of five. Uh, so I was Smack the, dab in the middle? Smack dab in the middle. Okay. So I was the youngest of my mom's first marriage. Mm-hmm. Then they had two more. Uh, but never struggle with that middle child syndrome. I was about to say, never. I don't see that about you. Never. So that should be your like two truths and a lie thing, because I feel like that does not. You don't read middle child. I do not. Right. <laughs> uh, but Sorry, yeah. Sorry, all those middle children out there. But yes. No. Yeah. No. To all the middle children, yeah. you can make it. Yes. You can. You can thrive. Stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, from there, went to Arkansas State University, graduated with finance degree. Uh, no jobs in Hughes with a finance degree. Uh, came over to Memphis, worked for a banking institution here in the fine metropolis of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And uh, got married. To the most wonderful woman. Most wonderful woman. Uh, truly a blessing. When people say they married up, I really married up. <laughs> um, and she's amazing. And together we have three daughters. Who are uh, also rock stars. Oh, my gosh truly rock stars. I call them 3DG like they're some kind of famous three Davis girls. So yeah. 21, 17, and 15, uh, all, ah. all amazing. 
and different. Oh, see? Love it. Love yep. it. Um, and you also had the wonderful honor of working with me for a, for a few brief months, I did. A year. I mean, it was... 10 months of sure bliss. That's exactly the way I would have described I it. I mean, <laughs> working with you, I was Anna. about to say, I'm sure my husband would have a different term, <laughs> but, um, but yes, But no. it was fun times. It yes. really was. It so was you have um, a great, a great varied history here yep. in Memphis of moving, moving our community forward. And that will surely continue with your latest venture. Yeah, Tell us about it. Yeah. So, um, I am now, uh, a consultant and coach. I started, founded uh, a consulting business called Uplift, mm-hmm. which you know fits my you. purpose yes. in life, and it does fit lifting, your personality as well. Lifting up others. Yes. Yes, and, and it basically it's really focused on equity. Okay. And it's equity from two perspectives: one around financial uh, independence is what we like to call it. Me and my wife. Um, mm-hmm. You know, growing up in rural Arkansas. You know, my parents worked hard, provided for us, but, you know, we didn't have a lot, right? Uh, Free and reduced lunch my entire school life. Um, And, you know, graduated from college with a finance degree, but there were things in college that I didn't learn to truly benefit me and others. It was to help institutions make more money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I've realized and learned some things that, man, if we can educate what I call or we call Main Street families, not just the Wall Street families with Ooh, I huge like the investments. Main Street, yeah, Main Street families. But yeah. if we can educate Main Street families, teach them some, teach them some tools, equip them, so that they can build uh, independence. You know, wealth is one thing, but independence to have this freedom where they control their money and money doesn't control them. So that's one aspect of the equity, right? Okay. Um, which will build social and economic mobility, right? As a whole, yeah. The other aspect of it is around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So from this aspect, it's how do we help organizations and businesses um, think more equitably, right? Mm -hmm. How do we help them, equip them to have the right tools to create diverse um, spaces, inclusive spaces, and build equity within those organizations. Now, here's the reality. Still, in most of our large corporations, it is, they're led by predominantly still white males, right? Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that if we can help educate, um, support these leaders uh, to think differently, to um, change their perspective, right? To evolve with what's happening as a society, It'll have a trickle-down effect, trickle-down effect, right, um, within their organization. Uh, but also, I'm a firm believer that we spend most of our our productive working time on our jobs. Yes. And if where I work can have a positive impact on the way I perceive life and situations and issues, and I take that new perception back to my home, mm-hmm. uh, I have a new perspective in my community, Yeah, uh, man, we can see some amazing things happening. So that, like, I approach this work, going back to when I was a teenager, I wanted to change the world. Like, I, I literally had those thoughts, I want to change the world. And I started thinking about this work, like, wow, like, this work around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and around financial independence can change the world. One person at a time? One person at a time. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Um, so I have a lot of questions. I'm intrigued by this. Bring okay, it. so diversity, equity, inclusion mm-hmm. is a popular thing these days. Yes. So what makes your services unique? Ooh, great question. And a T. <laughs> So I think it's the philosophy of diversity, equity, and inclusion that I take. Uh, First and foremost, I approach it from this perspective of how can I challenge people without condemning them? You've always done that in a very lovely way, I can say, from firsthand experience. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I mean, because, you know. I've made mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes. But um, learning in an environment that was not shameful mm-hmm. meant mm-hmm. the world. It really does. You know, 
I have this approach because I've experienced this approach, right? Um, so when my wife and I, 21 years ago, were engaged, I'll tell this story and I'll make it quick. You're fine. Um, I love story time. She said she was at the hair salon, mm-hmm. the beauty shop, as we yes. say, getting her hair done. And she said, Reggie, I need you to come by, pick up something and take it somewhere for me. I said, okay. So I go in, pick up whatever she asked me to pick up. And I thought I, I was typical Mr. Reggie, speaking to everyone, being polite, mm-hmm. being a gentleman and going on about my business to do what my fiance has asked me to do. We meet up later that evening and I can quickly see like she's irritated, but Uh I'm not thinking it's because of me. Well, obviously not. (laughs) Right? It's me. And she said, uh, if you ever embarrass me like that again, I don't know if we'll ever get married. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what did I do to embarrass you? I mean, I can't, I did you a favor. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can see it happening now. But I was like, what did I do? She was like, Reggie, you were so rude. I said, I spoke to everyone. What do you mean? She's like, yeah, you spoke to everyone except her hairdresser, right? Like, And I said, no, I spoke to him. She said, well, I won't say you didn't speak, but the way you spoke. So her hairdresser was a guy who I assumed was was gay. I'm just being honest. So, and she said, you act like you didn't want to shake his hand. And I said, man, what are you talking about? I shook his hand. She said, but like Reggie, it was very obvious. Like you were uncomfortable shaking his hand. And so we have this conversation. I don't think she's right. I think she's wrong. I'm not that guy. Mm -hmm. And she began to lovingly challenge me in these things that I would say and actions that I would do that I was completely oblivious to. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a word we use, right? Um, implicit bias. Yep. Right? And because my wife was patiently, lovingly supportive and challenged me, at some point I really began to hear myself. I began to see myself and go, oh, yeah, I am. I don't like prejudice. That. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just had to go. Yeah, I'm prejudiced. I'm biased. I have issues that I need to work on, and I'm not proud of. And her willingness to work with me challenged me, mm-hmm. but she never condemned me. She never made me feel bad about. Like she just shameful, said, "Hey, yeah, yeah, shameful." She just said, "Hey, I think this is something." that I see in you and I think you can work on. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be honest, like that has stayed with me. And so now when I see folks, people who may not see themselves. See their own blind spots, yep. I remember how she treated me and how she walked me through it. And so even in this work, that's my approach now. I love that too, because it makes you want to take action in a from a place of genuine authentic compassion as opposed to it's something I'm supposed to do. Yeah, right? I mean... Or like, look, yeah, I mean, it just it gives you that perspective that's unique. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. I think there are many people out there either who think individuals or companies who are taking this DEI approach is not authentic, mm-hmm. right? Because it is such a buzzword these days. It is a buzzword. It's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's the right thing to do. Um, and so, I, you know, it really comes from a place of compassion for me um, and knowing, like, I'm still a work in progress. Uh, yeah, I think that also makes I think we are in a day and age personally that transparency goes so far mm-hmm. instead of however many years ago, I feel like I've had conversations with different people, both on the podcast and just generally about the way in which businesses used to operate and the way mm. in which people used to operate. And it was about don't show, you know, never let them see you sweat, like put your best foot forward always, like don't complain, don't explain, don't like just, you know, shove that stuff down. And now that's not going to get you anywhere as no. a person or as a company. You have to be willing to kind of combat that stuff head on and be willing to say, look, I made a mistake or I will make a mistake or 
this was a big glaring one and how am I going to fix that? I have to be able to, and it's necessary. It's, it is necessary. It's part of our individual evolution or, you know, we can think of it in terms of organizational Mm -hmm. evolution. You, you either evolve with time where we are in, you know, particular society or you get left behind. Right. Yep. Um, i.e. Sears Roebuck, i.e. Blockbuster. Oh, R.I.P. Hmm. <laughs> but you know, they didn't. They did not want to yeah, adapt. Adapt or die. Right to technology. Ah, we're going to keep doing it the way we've always done it. And and I feel that way when it comes to diversity, equity, yeah. and inclusion. Right. There are individuals and organizations. We've always done it this way, and we're going to keep on doing it this it's way. It's worked for us this far, and it worked in loose terms. Yeah, and I would just say. Has it. <laughs> mark, mark this day and mark this time that you said that, and let's see how long it takes for you to... Realize that it wasn't working for you. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Okay, and then when it comes to financial independence, I think that that is a lovely way mm. to say that. I think words have such an impact, mm-hmm. and simply saying financial independence already makes it seem attainable. And wealth, right. frankly, is subjective. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's easy for me to say, but I think that other people would also agree that wealth looks different for different people. And I just think that your approach to that is also unique because it's not the traditional Dave Ramsey, whatever, kind of a, you know what I mean? But like, it's, it's coming from a place of holistic mm-hmm. financial independence. So, no, hey, no shade, Dave no, no. Ramsey, because it, no, you know, no, no, because I will tell you, because it got like, us out of some debt, and he has helped shape and form me, right? Yeah, let's be honest. Like, I'm, yeah, here, let me say it from this perspective. Like, one, I'm not an expert. Like, yes, I am stepping into this work, right? Mm-hmm. I do not consider myself an expert, but what I do consider myself is a person who has had some experiences who has uh, received a lot of information over his life. Yes. And I'm learning to now take that that information and apply it to my life and help others apply it to their lives, right? right? So Dave Ramsey played a significant role in where I am in this, right? Mm-hmm. So I did Financial Peace University. I yep. did all of that, right? And my wife... So did JT, don't... I mean, yeah. Led the way we're here, it, yeah. Right? So even financial independence it's not something that i created but when i heard it it connected i went yeah yes the that's, term that's is the already, language yeah. right um and and more specifically like i didn't know when you talk about narrative and perspectives of what wealth is and who's wealthy and who's not and it's very relative right um i didn't know i was poor till i went to college like i look free lunch didn't mean i was poor where i grew up yeah, it just was. It was just, oh, okay, we're on free lunch. And then some years we were on reduced lunch. And I didn't understand the, yeah. the theory behind it and the algorithms and all this stuff, right? Yeah. I, and then I get to college and I went, oh, I think I, I think, I think we're poor. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it until I got to college. But, yo, we're, we're poor. And that's not a bad thing, right? But you also, you grow up thinking everybody grows up the same way you did. Yeah. Like and, when you're growing up, you're just in it. So you don't. Right. To your point, like your your environment is your environment and that's your truth, right? Yeah. You think that that's 100 percent what everybody else is is also. This is the world. Yeah. Everybody's the same way. Yeah. And yep. and quite honestly, I got to college and I went, whoa, here's this new black friend of mine who's driving a Mustang. Whoa. And here's and I saw all of these not just white classmates, but black classmates at Arkansas Little Rock with vehicles. And I was like, whoa. All right. And wearing clothes that, I was like, what's the name of that? <laughs> J- J- now I'm really about to tell my age, Jabot Jeans, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Look, I didn't even know what Ralph Lauren was. Yeah. And I'm not even kidding. Like, they were like, yeah, man, I got this Ralph Lauren shirt. And I was like. Cool. Whose shirt you got? Who? Like, you, do you steal that you from took, Ralph? You took that from, yeah. where's Ralph? Yeah. Let me meet him. <laughs> He's just giving away shirts. I mean, <laughs> I'll take one. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's so I think it, I think approach has everything to yeah. do with the success in almost everything, frankly, but particularly in these fields too. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, what is making yeah. this a unique mark. 
Yeah, because ultimately, I think diversity, equity, and inclusion really boils down to relationships and trust. Mm -hmm. And so my approach is founded in relationships and trust. Because if I care for someone, even if it's my first time meeting them, if I care for them, my my purpose is not to come and make them feel bad or feel shamed, as you said, but it's to lift them up, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a philosophy or a thought, if you said something that, man, I've, that could be hurtful to someone, how do I help lift you up to think about what you just said in a different way, right? Yeah. And, so, and to empower people to then have that ripple effect on others. I think that's where it gets like that's where the rubber meets the road, too, yeah. is like it's one thing for you to be compassionate mm-hmm. in your correction and teaching with me. It's another thing for me to then take that into a different circle and say, hey, exactly. I realized that this is not the way that we need to say things. Yeah. So everyone around me who's always said it that way let's maybe have a teaching moment. Yeah. And so exactly. then that like then yeah. How it's do you and powerful. How do you take your privilege, whatever yeah. that is, right? Uh-huh. Because we all have privilege at some level. Most of us. Yeah. I don't want to say we all. Yes. A lot of us do, right? Even that statement is interesting. You know, and and so I will say this. So a privilege that I've come to recognize and put a name to, uh oh, get ready, drum roll is I have white likability. And what I mean by that is okay. I'm a black man that many white people like and feel comfortable with. And we, you know, there's, I'm bringing behind the curtains now. I hope, I hope, I hope some of our listeners don't get upset with this, but no. we, there are some conversations that happen behind the curtain and I'm a safe black guy. Ooh. And what I mean by that is um, many of my white friends and colleagues, you know, they don't see me as the angry black guy or a threat. So but with that, I don't just use that to benefit myself. I use that likability to then begin to challenge sometimes things that they say or beliefs or and with no harm intended. But because I. I have a likability, I'm able to say, hey, let's talk about that. And let me help you think about that from a different perspective. Mm. And that is a privilege, a power. Mm-hmm. I call it a superpower. I like it. That I have. Superpower. That I use not just because I could I could take that and just and use just it. And just run with it. And use it for the good of Personal Reggie and, and my family. Mm-hmm. And I know that even with that privilege, that as I begin to challenge, some people are going to be uncomfortable with it versus, you know, me just taking it and being like, I know you like me, so let me have this opportunity and let me. Yeah. But sometimes I have to use that to challenge people. And that's what I, I encourage most people um, who who have some level of privilege, you know, middle income. That's, that's neither black nor white. Middle income privilege is real. Mm-hmm. But how do we take that privilege and use it to benefit others? And that's still part of the diversity, the equity, and the inclusion conversation. I agree. I do. I, th- I would challenge all of our listeners to kind of take a good look at yourself and your experiences and your situations and find kind of where you think those privileges are, those things that aren't maybe the cultural way that is going to tell you that you have privilege or don't have privilege, but kind of those really subtle nuances that the way that you show up in the world and how you can use those to make our communities better. That's it. How do we use it to better others? I really love that. Um, So I feel like this is a good opportunity to talk about how you are going to take your coaching and facilitating skills. Mm. And at the end of August, you will be joining us for our Level Up Mid-South Leadership Summit, where you will be facilitating two workshops yeah you excited i am excited i am really excited um one you know i have been engaged in in a part of the new memphis programs right for for a a minute for a minute yeah i did (laughs) s11 shout out to the 
S11 class, we call us Slevin. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the Sleveners. Uh, but yeah, so I did uh, fellows in, in 2011, came back, joined the team yes. for about a year and got to do the LDI program mm-hmm. through that. So, you know, I believe in New Memphis. Uh, New Memphis believes in you. Oh, tear. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, and, and so to get this opportunity, right, like for... Yeah. For New Memphis to say, hey, we'd love for you to be a part of this. Uh, it was a big deal. It's like, whoa, amazing. Ah. And then I get the email from you saying, come be on Memphis. The MIM podcast I was know. like, I know. What? It's been a long time coming. Fair. I mean, come on. No, I, yes. It's been a long time coming. That's I could what have I had. I could have had you on at any number of occasions for all of the awesome work you've been doing over oh, the no. years. Well, look, but I, I'm thrilled to be a part of that that day, right? Yeah. And to be able to come and share, you know, again, I'm not an expert, but to hopefully be able to share and communicate some things around diversity, equity, and inclusion, around identity, um, maybe you know, highlight and, and define diversity, equity, and inclusion in some un- slightly different ways. Uh, but also, I hope to be able to leave people with some tools to to be thinking about and mm-hmm. uh, to walk away to say, what can I do in my spaces and yeah. my places uh, to make our city, uh, my company, my family uh, more diverse, more inclusive, and more equitable? Yes. And then, on you know, the board... The board side, right? Like, yeah. you know, obviously, I served. I served non in a nonprofit role uh, for eighteen, nineteen say, years. Yeah, like almost two decades. Right, almost two decades. So you started when you were an infant. I did. <laughs> How uh, kind of you! <laughs> I had just learned to walk. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but you know, I'm very passionate about service. Mm-hmm. And I think board service to some of these phenomenal nonprofits in our city is a great way for individuals to give back. It's a great way to even, right, to move the diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, initiative work forward by serving on a board. But I also want to make sure, because I've done it so long, that people are equipped to go do it. Yes, and that is a key thing that, we have found here at New Memphis, and I'm sure yeah. that other people have encountered along the way, is that just because you want to be on a board does not equip you to be on a board. No, not at all. <laughs> um, and look, great, what do they say? There's intentions, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the impact. Yeah. So we're grateful for intentions, like, you know, good intentions. I want to go serve on this board, and it looks good on my resume for those who have that frame of mind. Yep. Um, but while it's looking good on your resume, make the most of that time there to make to help build that organization uh, and to help them accomplish their, their mission, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing that. I've always enjoyed being able to do that and I uh, hope, hope those who attend will find some benefit from it. I think they will. Um, I'm excited about both of these. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, so... For those listening, if you have not checked out the Level Up page on the New Memphis website, um, it will describe all of the breakout workshops there. And so the two that Reggie are leading is one is called Read the Room and the other is From the Boardroom to the Board. And so I wanted to kind of take a step back on this okay. and for the Read the Room one, yes. you don't have to like give away, you don't have to you know, do your workshop right now. But... I do want to talk about what inspired you to make this one of the topics. So. Because I can read the little description yeah, that we yeah, haven't yeah. built. Okay. So it says, over the last two years, George Floyd, COVID-19, I'm going to say his name wrong. Can I say Ahmad? Mm-hmm. Ahmad Aubrey. Okay. Accessibility, Brianna Taylor, LGBTQ plus rights, immigration, voting rights, women's rights, and racial inequity have been hot topic issues plaguing our communities. Mm-hmm. No matter the topic, we all have a position, an opinion, or an ideology, and we carry those things with us daily, even in our workplaces. So good leaders and organizations understand and recognize that the importance of acknowledging what's going on in the world around us and how those things impact workplaces, workplace relationships, dynamics, and culture so this session will equip participants with resources to create inclusive spaces in the workplace, 
through an exploration of identities, current issues, and best practices for fostering diversity, equity, and inclusion. Ooh, that's a lot. No pressure. No pressure. But also, like, there are 12 hot button <laughs> topics in the last couple of years. So, I mean, like, right? you kind of... You set the bar a little high there for yourself. Well, I mean, there's just a lot going on, <laughs> right? Like, okay, yes. There's it's, just a lot going on. It's been on like in what I like society. to say is like a pressure cooker. I think it's just I think that the pandemic honestly put all of the opportunities that we have had into a pressure cooker, and I don't know that we rose to every challenge in the way hmm. that we could have. Uh, I'm just gonna very understated. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well but, said. Right. Um, so this is gonna be. A little difficult to teach, but is it or is it not for you? So one, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as teaching, right? Ah, okay. I don't. Okay. Now, fair. We'll play on words here, right? Yes. I think there's a difference between teaching and educating, Ooh. right? Like, let that marinate. I know, right? I know. But like, but yes, no, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So education is about providing information to people. And I think helping people see things from a different perspective, right? Teaching to me is I'm going to make sure that you grasp and understand and walk out. You know, like I think about my math teacher. Her goal was to make sure that I knew my multiplication tables Mm -hmm, and all mm -hmm. this stuff. And so, one, I think a teacher can be an expert. Or should be an expert in whatever they're doing, right? Okay. I can be educated by my daughters. So true. Right? My daughters don't have to be experts, and they do it all the time. They school you. Here's an example, right? (laughs) My oldest daughter, when she was about 16, we're rolling to school. I'm about to go drop her off. And she went to an all-girls school. She's just going on and on about this stuff. Yeah, the stuff that is very important. And she said, and she said, and she said, you know, and I kind of went, well, what I would recommend to you is that you do boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden, she stopped talking, started looking out the window. I was like, did you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. (laughs) Went over like a lead balloon. And I said, okay, fine. You know, I'll get my attitude, too, and keep driving. And then she came back, looked her over at me, and she said, Dad, sometimes I just want to talk and share with you, and I'm not looking for you to fix it. Mic drop. Mic drop. And my 16-year-old, it sounds crazy, but my 16-year-old educated me. I wouldn't call that teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? uh, Yeah, that's fair. She educated me. Mm -hmm. And I've used that now moving forward with all three of my girls but not only that in other relationships sometimes people just want to air it <laughs> and I don't need Get to it. like yeah. try to fix and give my thoughts and opinions on everything mm-hmm. so even as I you know prepare for this I really am trying to come from a place where I don't feel like I'm trying to teach these folks so they can walk out of here okay I hope to create some conversations some thoughts that when you walk away you want to explore. I hope to create some curiosity, right? I hope to inspire a little bit of courage. Well, I'm I'm intrigued. Even just the fact that this is a topic that you're willing to tackle and understanding the impacts of it hmm. um, in a way that is unique. I mean, like like we said, everybody has their own, I guess, perspective on some things, but I just, I'm excited to hear your insights on it. I'm, I'm interested. Is there, you don't have to give it away again, but is there a through line Hmm. at all? Or do you think it's a little bit disparate? Is it? No, I I definitely think there's a through line, right? Because I think there's a through line in terms of the diversity, equity, and inclusion work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I'll I'll give a little little something, a right? A little teaser. A little okay. teaser. But Listen like, up. Turn up the volume. It, <laughs> <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> uh, but it's in terms of identity, right? Okay. So I'll 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 really pr- 
I'll, I'll kick it off from this idea of identity. What does it really mean? How do I identify? Even when I walk into a space, right? Like I walk into a room and there are some identifiers that people quickly say, right? And then there are, there's a part of my identity that's not so visible, right? And mm-hmm. it's called this, you know, identity iceberg or cultural iceberg, right? Okay, okay. And when you think of an iceberg, you typically only see 10% of the iceberg. Like the Titanic. Right? But Boom, you- crash. Check it before you wreck it, people. Yep, yep. Word. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Mic <Just> drop. Kidding. <laughs> but you only see 10%. Yeah. And then the other parts are pretty much invisible. And so when we walk into spaces and we're reading the room, we see 10% typically of who a person is until we're willing and able to engage them and find out more. I'm more intrigued mm. now. I'm more intrigued too because, so, again, you bring can t- it. Okay, bring it. you can tell me if you're if you're going to talk about this then, and I don't want to give a, again away all the secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. But is it more of how individuals show up as this identity, or is it both individuals and companies? Mm. Tune in to no <laughs> no, no. Right. buy your ticket now at New Memphis. It's Network. both and right okay. because yeah. individuals I mean, have identities and companies are comprised of individuals and and companies yeah. build identities yeah. right like I want to be careful because I have a client but like every every business I will I will offer this I'm a former auto owner and we have a very unique culture yep. um, over and I I still consider myself an auto owner auto zone. okay um, so there is a very unique culture there. With, right. Whether it's the store dress code, whether it's the the pledge and cheer, whether it's so yes, in the way that organizations can build an identity for themselves. Yes, and just like with the ed- individual, mm-hmm. there's this ten percent that we see mm-hmm. that's visible, but there's also this invisible part of the culture that sometimes even internally the organizations like there's this culture that everyone like what where did that come from? Yeah. And the thing about culture, as great as it can be, it can also become your enemy. Can it be a crutch or a veneer? I no, guess? I think it can become your enemy. Oh. I think it can not just be a crutch. I think it can be a weapon. Straight up come by you. Oh. Your own culture that you work hard on because if you're not willing to evolve, right, if you don't continue to learn, grow, and evolve when necessary, this culture that you have worked so hard, yeah. it begins to actually hold you back and send you into paralysis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I'm more interested now. Okay. Next, well, you talked about briefly from the boardroom to the board with over 5,000 nonprofits in the Mid-South. Do we really have more than 5,000? Okay. Um, again, you're the expert here. <laughs> there is a strong need for strong talent to help organizations thrive through board service. Serving on a local nonprofit board not only helps the organization, but it allows you to share your expertise, tap into your passions, and increase your affinity for the community that you live in. Um, the session will provide an overview on what to expect as a new board member while leveraging your skills, talents, and resources for the betterment of the organization. So basically you're gonna help people understand that yeah. passion for a nonprofit does not equip you to serve on their board. No, but but <laughs> <laughs> no. But you need to start with passion, yes. right? Like yes. I will tell you, like I tell everybody, well, I don't know where to serve. Like, start with your passion. What do you like? Yeah. Because if you don't if you're not passionate about something, you're talking about volunteer time. So true. You're talking about additional time. And if you're not passionate about it, when that meeting rolls around or an additional meeting, you will find a reason. There will always be an excuse if you're looking for one. You will find a reason to not be present and engaged. And so I, I truly believe in if you're going to serve on a board, what's the thing that keeps you up at night? But also you have to want to like better the cause and like not better but like surge it forward push it like forward so if you're not like excited about the topic at hand you're going to be like I don't really care if this thing gets better like not to say that it's not (laughs) 
Right. Like, if you're not super passionate about it, like, when they get ready to have a fundraiser, you're not going to be excited about calling your friends or neighbors or... Oh, shoot. Like a phone-a-thon? I cannot even imagine. But if if you genuinely believe that, man, the work this organization is doing, if I don't do my part, like, it may not move forward. Like, it's Is that like your gauge? Like, if you would want to sit at a -a phone-a-thon for this organization? Because that sounds like... I've never said it that way. Terrifying. <laughs> I've never said it that way, but it's I mean, close, if you can't just right? like, I mean, it's basically like having like that elevator's pitch, like whatever, but I on repeat. Say, I don't know about a phonathon, right? Because okay. I don't, don't want to do a phonathon. <laughs> Not even Reggie. But okay. you have to be willing to ask someone for money for this organization. Like, I'm serious. Like, and you, you have to be willing to be courageous, like you were talking yes. about earlier, is like stepping out of that comfort zone and be willing to fail and right. be willing to have people be like, absolutely not. You're yeah. insane. I need, to, I need to do a class or a session on failure because I have failed quite a bit. I can tell people how to fail. Tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to the microphone, Reggie. Um, I may need more time. I know. <laughs> they should have not let us do this. This is, this is too fun. Um, but I am, I'm really excited. What do you hope participants mm. will walk away from your workshops mm. with? So I'm going to connect this to another one of the hats I wear. Ooh, and this okay. isn't a pitch, but it really, <laughs> I think about it this way. So okay. I don't know if we talk about this four-letter word enough in our corporate settings, in our society, but love, right? So I started sharing something with our church this year that when people have some form of an interaction with our church, they should feel loved, liberated, and lifted, right? Mm. And I hope that even through these sessions, mm-hmm. right? Even when it comes to serving on a board, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about a boardroom, you know, one, I want to challenge people to think about love, right? Like going back to your passion. Man, if I'm going to go spend two hours a month with an organization, where's your love for the organization? Will the people who are engaged and being served by the organization, will they feel loved by you? And will mm. you feel loved back? Like, and this sense of liberation, this, you know, financial independence, liberty, right? Like, we don't need to feel bound, right? Ooh. I hope that when people walk out from these sessions, there's a sense of, ooh, man, I feel like taking off some chains of some, some area in my life, right? And freeing myself from the, maybe it's an old way of thinking, Right. Um, maybe it's this sense of I feel obligated to go serve on a board because you should never serve on a board because you feel obligated. It should create a level of freedom. I just finished a board retreat Saturday morning from 9.30 to 1.30, you know. You got to have passion. Giving my time to this organization, right? But it didn't feel like a burden. It didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, I got to go sit in this session for four hours and after I left, I was like, no, this was a good investment of my time, right? Ooh, okay. And then this idea of feeling lifted, right? Like, just being around this organization, being, I hope that when people think about diversity, equity, and inclusion after leaving a session, that they actually do feel lifted. Like, oh, we can go, we can do this. We can go change the world. I can, in my role at my job, there's something I can do. Maybe even with my family, Right. There's something I can say uh, to help lift not only myself, but help lift others. It's interesting that you say that, too, because I think my initial reaction to these topics Mm -hmm. is, like I said, that they're a little heavy. So it's interesting that the words are so, like, uplifting and, like, break free from this obligation and this need put from others that you feel like it shouldn't be what you should do. It's what do you want to do? Mm, yeah. 
And so, like, for both of these topics, well, like, how you read the room and if you choose to do board service and how you show up for that, because you want to do it, not because mm. you should do it, mm. not because you should incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion into your life, not because you should no. serve on a board to put it on your resume, but because it is such an overflow, like your cup is running over mm. with all of this just goodness that you want to share with yeah. others. You know, I found it to be heavier to stay where I am and not have a desire to grow. Ooh. I mean, like, that feels like more of a burden. That feels heavier to me than as I've been challenged in different aspects of my life, right? So um, my middle daughter has, she is so eclectic and unique and different, right? And she has a, an eclectic group of friends. Okay. And she had a friend who three years ago was identified as she and her. And now that friend identifies as he and him. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Anna, six years ago, I would have had an issue with that. I would have. But the the issue would have all been on me. It would have been a burden to me. It would have been a burden on the individual who has found his freedom, Mm -hmm. has found his liberty, but now I'm going to constrict myself and maybe even constrict my daughter and, you know, try to make her believe and think like I do. And, And now I'm just like, you know what? What will it hurt me to refer to a person the way they want to be referred to? And, like, literally there's some lightheartedness in that. There is a, a there's some love in that, one. Yeah. Right? But also, like, this sense of freedom and liberty and feeling lifted. That Yeah. That the weight is no longer, uh, like, crushing. Yeah. Because it's crushing for me. Yeah. Not, to stay yeah. there, right? And, to stay in that and spot. And feel this way about this person. Like, and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, it's, all you're doing is hurting yourself. <laughs> I mean, not all. I mean, because potentially your ripple effects then. I mean, so when we think about prejudices, yeah. when we think about biases, yeah, can we create harm on the other person? But we're really only harming ourselves. We're keeping ourselves from, and this is what I say about uplift, it's helping people become the best versions of themselves possible. And when I don't allow myself to grow and evolve, I don't become the best version of myself possible. Do you have advice for someone who is change averse and maybe has a small pinprick of desire to want to not be totally left behind, Hmm. but is completely fish out of water by taking the necessary steps to move forward? Come on, Oprah. I mean. Wow, that's a big question. Um. Because as you mentioned, too, it's mm. it's wrapped up in your identity, so much of this stuff. It is, right? And if you're not willing to kind of surgically remove some of those pieces that feel so ingrained in your identity, yeah, it can feel a lot like you're giving up something to gain something you're not sure you want. Yeah. No, that's great because you will... I don't say you will. There's a there's a possibility of giving up something, right? Yeah. And so this old business term that I learned somewhere in college, what is the opportunity cost, right? Okay, yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. my willingness to engage, to even be open to listening mm-hmm. to something different that counters everything that I've known and believed. Mm-hmm. Could the game be greater than what I'm already experiencing, right? Uh, ultimately, is yeah. what we're getting at. Is it worth me being open-minded? Yeah. And all, like, the, the thing, the only thing I can say to people is what my experience is. Yeah. Nine times out of ten for me, it has been worth it every time. Yeah. And even when it comes to, you know, things that I may... Let's be honest. I may lean a little more progressive on, and I think this person doesn't completely understand, and they need to be educated. 
Yeah, I mean, but, like, pretend, like, Archie Bunker is coming to your class. Right? Okay. You got Archie coming, and we, we well, some of us know... Some of us Archie know who Archie Bunker Archie. Google Archie if you yeah, don't know. Archie Bunker. Pretty conservative. Um, pretty old school. Old school. Pretty set in his ways. Stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll pretty use, offensive. We'll use some language. Pr- pretty darn offensive. <laughs> that could be offensive. Yeah. <laughs> and so it goes back to love, mm-hmm. patience, Ooh. right? And the willing to challenge without condemning. Even on the Archie Bunkers of the world. Even with the Archie Bunker of the world, my goal is to say, no, I will be honest with you. I've ran into some people that I did my best. And that's going to be the best version of themselves. And at some point, I have to release myself from from trying to Mm -hmm. help a person become the best version of themselves Mm -hmm. because they feel like that is it. Okay. But it won't be because I didn't lovingly try to come alongside of them and support them right and and at the same time even when I run into the Archie Bunkers I am looking for a space for me to be challenged to say you know what you did just say something that I want to at least highlight that and maybe be challenged by that and that's tough but to have that humility too going into that situation I try to challenge myself in that way because one thing is if if I'm willing to sit here and listen to this person and say, wow, you know, you just said something that challenged me and at least has me thinking about something differently. And if I shared it with that person. Maybe it's the small opening in the door. I think just sometimes maybe they'll go, oh, okay, well, it's it's just a little opening, a little, tiny, little crack. A little tiny opening. <laughs> I, I hear something. <laughs> you see a small, tiny bit of light. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm just so, yeah, it's it's intriguing to me. Um, I was actually a cultural studies minor um, in college. What? And I had a wonderful South African teacher, and she was talking about culture. Mm. And she said it's like having a water glass that is full. And in order to accept some other, of other people's culture, you have to pour a little bit of yours mm. out. And so she even said that, you know, becoming a citizen and different things like that was very difficult for her over her decade process. And, you know, all the different she said it felt like I was giving up a lot of my my culture. Mm. And she was like, I had to. But she said, you know, there were there were good things that I gained in that, too. Mm. And there were some bad things that I let go that Mm -hmm. I was holding on to simply because. Yeah. But I've always thought it was interesting because I do feel like. The more I learn, mm. the more I do kind of pour out some of those bad and kind of make room for some new for some new perspectives. That's it. Wow. Like so first and foremost, I just took out my imaginary notebook to write down that analogy. <laughs> the water glass. <laughs> oh. It's it's in the Rolodex now. Okay, yeah. Tool in the toolbox. I mean she was she's a fabulous teacher, so but it's no, just it's yeah. I, I am a person who is always trying to continue learning and growing, and that is one reason I very much valued having Reggie on our team here. He he did um, he did a great job of doing exactly what he's doing now and sharing with the rest of the community. So I'm really excited about his new venture because I do believe that he leads from a place of love and empathy, um, and that he has a big rolodex of life experiences that can help our community and move us forward. And that's one of the main reasons I was really excited about this conversation too, is because there have been, I mean, I can list them off here. I'm being, you know, my ego's getting in the way of that, but like exact moments where I was like, Reggie, like, Hmm. why was this wrong? I don't understand. Hmm. Not that it's your job to teach me, but you will and you you step up to the plate in that way and again I think it was interesting when you said that your privilege Hmm. of showing up as a safe trustworthy person I've felt that Hmm. I felt like you were a safe space to make mistakes and to grow and to learn as a Caucasian woman Mm -hmm. and yet you were always everybody's biggest cheerleader too Hmm. and so I think that the impacts from what uplift coaching and consulting can be is that 
that ripple effect for our community Hmm. can be that we can lovingly remember that we are all human and we do have more alike than we do different. Well put. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really excited. I'm also going to try, I don't know what my day of schedule looks like for level up dear listener, but I'm going to try to pop in to do Reggie's workshops. Yeah, I think your day will be full. Yeah. <laughs> so if you find me just loafing in the back of one of Reggie's workshops, now you know why I have outed myself here. Well, no. So thank you for those kind words, Anna. I, I, I sincerely mean that. Um, so I, I'm, I may mention to um, my family a little bit, my dad and my mom, and I call my dad, my, my mm-hmm. stepfather, yeah. my dad, um, you know, he he passed away suddenly uh, in 2016 at the age of 62, right? And We have so much in common, Jerry. I know, I know. Um, but, you know, the impact that he made on my life, dropped out of school as a junior in high school um, at a time where there were boycotts and stuff going on in, in his school. And his parents said, well, if you're going to boycott and not learn, you might as well come home and work. <laughs> so, you know, okay. but when people see me and they say these things about me, I automatically start thinking about him. Right. Uh, because I tell people, if, if, if you if you like me, <laughs> you would love him. Um, I'm like half of whatever he was. Right. Um, he, he encouraged, he inspired, you know, the, the act of giving back, you know, I saw him do this, right? Like he ran for the school board, like when it was, it didn't even make like sense for him to do it. Like, there's no way this guy's going to win. And he did, right? And he worked hard for it and he served well because we had an all white school board with one black member who never attended a school board meeting and never represented half of the school. And he said, no, if there's only one voice, we got to make sure. And there's so, a loud one. Yeah. Right. And he did it. Right. And and these are moments that I'll never forget. Right. Um, and one last story about him. And yeah. I'll, I'll move on. Uh, he was a bivocational guy. Uh, folks in the South, in the black community know all about this. He was a pastor, but he had to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Uh, it was a winter. It was a hard winter, and it was an ice storm that came through, and the pipes at the church had, had burst, and uh, he had went down to try to fix it on his own. He comes back, like, son, I need your coat up, double layers, gloves, and I'm like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> but he was like, no, son, come on. I just need I just need you to hold a flashlight for me while I'm in the church so I can see. And, you know, we're out there. I don't. I don't remember how long it was. I just remember being upset the whole time. And finally, when he finished, we get in the truck, and I'm just like, man, I don't understand. Why Why are you doing this? And he, he said, what do you mean, why am I doing this? He said, well, you're the pastor of the church. You got deacons and other men in the church. And they, there's somebody else that this is their job? This, Yeah, you're under the church with water and sewage and pipes. And God only knows what else. Put somebody else on that. Mm-hmm. And he said, what makes you think because I'm the pastor that I'm too big for this? He was like, son, I hope there's never a job that you think you're too big for. Um, because that's not who I'm raising you to be. I will tell you now, I don't think there's any job, any job that I'm too big for. But vice versa, I don't know if there's any two job job because of him that I think I'm too small for. I believe I've been. All right. I'm getting too crazy now, but this is my purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to live out purpose right now and making our world a better place. And this is the, the vein, the the vehicle that. I'm I'm in right now to help do that. Make me smile, Reggie. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I am very sad to have to say that our time is almost up because we are only allotted an hour, you know, of radio yes. time here. But you can buy yourself a ticket for Level Up and come here. The wonderful one and only Reggie Davis. Level up, level up, level up. Level up, level up. <laughs> 
um, I'm just really, I'm really excited to see this come to fruition for you. Mm. And I think much like having you on this podcast, this venture for you is a long time coming. And I think our community will be blessed by it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you seriously for inviting me. And you are really good at this. You, you make really me are. so happy, Reggie. You're so sweet. Um, can you tell our listeners where to follow along and possibly contact you if they are in need of your services? Yeah, here's the crazy part, right? Yeah. And, and this is fun to share, too. Like, what has happened has happened much faster than I ever imagined. Um, I thought I would start this and potentially really do this in a year. And someone recommended me to their company. Mm-hmm. And it went from like, hey, they, we met, we met. And now I'm working full time for myself. I don't even have a website yet. Like I'm working with somebody right now to build a website. Awesome. I will give you my email address. Right? I was about it's, to say, if you're about to give your phone least, number out on this, on this radio no, show. No, no, no. I'll, I'll give an email address. <laughs> I was like, address. get yourself a Google voice number, yeah. sir. <laughs> no. Uh, but my email address is Reggie at uplift-cc.com that's r-e-g-g-i-e at uplift-cc.com yay I love it yeah I love it and you are still doing some work with Seeding Success yeah and I'm still working at Seeding Success Um, one uh, when I approached Mark who's the CEO right Mark Sturge CEO of um, Seeding Success you know, low nerves, like, hey, man, I've got this opportunity that I just can't turn down. Yeah. And I love this work that we're doing, but this is an unbelievable opportunity yeah. for me and my family and for me to do something I feel like I, I want to do. Yeah. And he said, well, you know what? Are you going to work for them? I said, no, I'm going to be contracted out. I'm starting a consulting firm yeah. and, you know, I'll, I'll have some agency, some independence. And he said, well, if you're going to be a consultant... Can we contract you out to continue to do some work for us based on however much time you can give us? So I'm still a part of that team of some very integral work that's happening in this city and super excited to still be connected to them. So, you know, that's fun. Serendipity. I love how it all comes together like that. Yes. Um, So I have one final question. Yes. Which Christy has implemented and I will continue it. I will continue to hold the torch in her absence. Uh Oh, bring it. If you could... Describe what being a Memphian means to you in one word. Wow. One word, being a Memphian. Or a hyphenate or a phrase, if you can't distill it down. So this just popped in in my head because of the the new oldies hip-hop radio session in Memphis now. Uh, And I heard this song the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Fly. When I think of Memphis, fly. I love it. Because I got to stay. Yeah. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, there's not really much else to say in Memphis. Thank you, Reggie. You are welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have Ooh. him back for Level Up. Yeah, so yeah. Level Up, Memphis. Level Up, Memphis. Bye. <laughs> Find your happy with New Memphis Embark. Work-life balance. Do we know it? As young professionals, finding our happy place in Memphis as a person and as a professional in our careers can be overwhelming. That's where New Memphis comes in. Through the New Memphis Embark program, you'll get acquainted with the city we call home, learn to maintain love and enthusiasm for your career, and elevate your skills, even while on the clock. Let New Memphis reinvigorate and amplify your love of living and working in Memphis. Find your happy with New Memphis and apply for Embark today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. What an episode, dear listener. Um, You know... I love Reggie Davis. I feel like my love for him is just coming through the airwaves to each and every one of you. And I know that he is deeply, deeply passionate about what his mission for Uplift actually is, which is to make every individual and business here in this community and, as he said, around the world, um, the best possible version of themselves. So 
He is getting right to work with that. And a few end of show announcements from us are that you can hear more from Reggie Davis at our Level Up Mid-South Leadership Summit on August 26th. It is a full day conference. You can head over to newmemphis.org slash events to learn more about the summit and to purchase your tickets before they are all sold out. This fall, we have some exciting events coming up. So look on our calendar over at newmemphis.org slash events. You can learn more about all of them over there. We will have a Memphis 101. We will have a Celebrate What's Right focused on downtown, which we are super excited about. So stay tuned for that. And really, you can keep up with anything that we are doing over on our social channels um, at The New Memphis. And please leave us a review. Let us know if you like what we're doing. Rate, subscribe, follow along, all the things. Um, We greatly appreciate you. And if you have any suggestions for who should be on our radio show and podcast, please send them over to info at newmemphis.org. And until next Tuesday, Memphis, stay fly. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.